We would like to say a special thank you to Chris and Jen Nelson in gratitude for the ministry of Lars Olson for sponsoring this week's episode. What is happening is you do not believe, period, because you do not belong to my sheep, period. My sheep hear my voice. So when you do the logic, Jesus is saying you are his sheep, when you hear his voice. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. After hearing several parables, we can empathize with the Jews' request of Jesus in this week's passage. If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answers, I have told you, but you do not believe. In this week's conversation, Sarah Stenson explains a concept we talk about a lot as Lutherans, how faith comes through hearing. Then we discuss some of Adam's favorite of God's promises in all of Scripture. My sheep hear my voice. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Let's get to this week's conversation. But first, here's John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple, in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Sarah Stenson with us this week. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Thank you. We are. Uh, we were in the 21st chapter of John last week. This week, we're jumping forward uh, to the 10th chapter of John. We're back. We're back. Depends on how you look at it. <laughs> we're jumping. We're jumping we're somewhere. Jumping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it starts at this uh, with this 22nd verse. At that time, the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem. What's this festival of dedication? Yep. Uh, commonly known as Hanukkah. So um, I don't want to overstate the significance here, but it is. it does help put it in context. I think it's verse 7 or so is where we start to hear about Jesus in the temple, and this is kind of the bookend of that now in John 10, uh, 22. And so we get markers in the fall, uh, in the beginning of these temple things in John, and now we actually have Hanukkah. And and then we have specifically, it was winter. So Hanukkah, um, the liturgical theme of Hanukkah for the Jews is light coming into a dark world. 
Now, historically, this was the celebration of the rededication of the temple, capital T, in 164, um, after it had been desecrated by the Syrians. But the, the thing that I think is kind of noteworthy here is that Hanukkah, or technically the eight days of Hanukkah, is a recalling for the Jews of the return of lights to the temple. And they mark that by putting eight lamps in the windows of the entranceways to the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think now in the context of the Gospel of John, remember back to the first chapter of John when John says, Jesus is the true light. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I probably, if I were preaching this text, I don't think I'd go too far down yeah. that path. But mm-hmm. I think it is an interesting when you know Hanukkah is a festival of lights, and now we have John in the very beginning of this gospel saying Jesus is the true light mm-hmm. and that his own people did not receive him. That's the rest of that verse in John 1, which is exactly what happens in this text. The, the Jews, his own people, did not receive him. Hmm. Yeah, there's something happening there. Yeah. So the Jews gathered around him and they uh, asked him a question. Uh, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Right. Which I think a lot of us, um, if you have listened to scripture first a lot or listened to your pastors, you are a pastor preaching gospel texts, especially when we get in the parables. I'm guessing there's a lot of empathy for if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly, like stop talking yeah. in parables. Stop bailing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what does this mean? Um, so in verse 24, though, the how long will you keep us in suspense? Literally in the Greek, that reads, how long will you hold our soul or our breath in suspense? Another way of another way you can translate is, um, how long will you take away our breath? Which kind of to me is more powerful than how long will you keep us in suspense? Certainly it's fine and accurate translation, but it's literally how long will you hold our breath in suspense before telling us what we want to know, Mm -hmm. which is if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And again, they're kind of questioning him here. Yeah. This is like what the disciples are known for is trying to put God on trial. Well, this is the, the Jews. This is the Jews. Or, sorry, this it's the is... Jews. Yeah. Well, all of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> sure. There isn't one who doesn't. That's my fail safe. <laughs> there you go. Um, but they are known for putting God on trial and they're doing it again. Yeah. And, and this time you can kind of hear the frustration. If mm-hmm. you are the Messiah. Now, remember, if you claim you are God, what happens? This is blasphemy if you're claiming you're God. So this is also something of a, um, probably a trick, a trap they're trying to lay there. Um, But they're saying, tell us boldly, Mm -hmm. freely, plainly. In the Greek, it's parisia. So tell us boldly, just put it out there. Are you the Messiah? But it is, they are holding their breath. Yeah. So it's as it, you know, what do you hold your breath for? For things that you anticipate for things that mm-hmm. you you know are, are coming your way i don't mm-hmm. i don't know it's like the meatloaf song paradise by the dashboard lights if you love me forever you gotta tell me you can edit this out that's what, what? i think have you not heard that song <laughs> no yeah i have 
I didn't know your generation knew that song. Oh, <laughs> Adam's part of your that's, generation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. No, but Mason, what you said. <laughs> yeah, forget Adam. What did Mason say? Go back to Mason. <laughs> All I'm saying is there's suspense there. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Suspense. Yeah, which is why I kind of like the when you go into the Greek with the the holding the breath and you mm-hmm. hold your breath when you know something's going to happen or you have a feeling it will. Yeah, yeah. not when you don't. So um, Jesus answered, mm-hmm. "I have told you, and you do not believe." Yes, and this is where it starts to get really interesting. So what what is happening here is Jesus is telling it like it is. He has told them who he is mm-hmm. multiple times and he's told them he is the Messiah and they do not believe. And in the Greek, the you do not believe that Jesus is saying there is in the present indicative active verb tense. So it is in in this in that moment Jesus is saying you do not believe. And indicative is again it's telling it like it is. That's what's happening as Jesus is hearing them say, if you are the Messiah, tell us. And he's now saying, clearly you do not believe. I've told you. I've mm-hmm. told you. The question itself, there's a Latin phrase, race ipsa loquitur. The thing speaks for itself. We talk about this in the law. This is exactly what Jesus, what's this? happening here and Jesus saying, yeah, I've told you, you do not believe. Mm-hmm. It this speaks for itself. almost a running theme at least the last two weeks with Peter um, saying, Lord, you know me, I love you. So there is a sense that here Christ again is knowing exactly who these people are. Right. Yep. Not just a sense, but it's just right there. And Absolutely. I've told you, you don't believe. Yep. Yeah, they have been told, but they have not heard. Right, which is what we're going to get to in this next really critical um, couple verses in this text. So the next sentence says, the works that I do in my father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a critical series of statements and it's easy to jump over it. Just kind of read through it. You do not believe, you do not belong to my sheep, my sheep are my voice. Yeah, whatever. He's talking about sheep. But when you actually stop and pause and think through what's happening logically, what is happening is you do not believe, period, because you do not belong to my sheep, period. My sheep hear my voice. So when you do the logic, Jesus is saying you are his sheep when you hear his voice. That's what he's laying out here. When you hear my voice, you're my sheep. So the question then that's going to happen to people as they're thinking through this text or hearing a sermon on the text, the next question is, well, am I his sheep? Yeah. And and do you control what you hear? Do they control what they hear? Do we control what we hear? No. You're not in control of what you're hearing right now. You can always press pause. You would not be in control of what you're hearing. You're not in control of what you're hearing. I am in control of what you're hearing right now because I'm the one talking. So when we're talking now about the Jews, it's not a matter of the Jews who are asking him these questions and saying, tell us plainly. It's not like they're not trying hard enough or they're not doing 
enough to have faith, to be a sheep of Jesus. That's not what this text is about. Instead, it's really a matter of the Holy Spirit not having functioned to give them faith when they heard Jesus speak. That's that's actually what verse 25 is getting at. Um, I've told you and you do not believe. It, this is indicative. He's just saying, yeah, you do not believe. The Holy Spirit has not given you, given you faith mm-hmm. in me as the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to hear. And we talk about this a lot. We've talked about election, you know, We've talked about election numerous times, and it ne- you know it never gets. E- I mean, I guess it does get easier once you realize that you're chosen and that you can be chosen by God. But that's kind of what he's talking about here, though. He's literally saying some of you are not chosen by me, right. and that's really tough to hear because we like to be chosen and we also like to have the power. Right. We like to think we're in control, which is why I was hitting so hard on the, this is not on the Jews. It's not as if they weren't trying hard enough. They weren't um, working hard enough. They weren't smart enough. It was it was a matter of the Holy Spirit having not having given them faith. And they were no more in control of believing in Jesus as Messiah than we are mm-hmm. to this day. But... To your point, Kiri, on it can be scary or intimidating or whatever negative emotion we want to rightfully place on election. This is true until you recognize and have preached back into your ear the baptismal promise, which is in that moment when you receive the promise of Christ, child of God, marked with a cross of Christ forever, you are my child, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, then in that moment, you are being made into a sheep mm-hmm. who hears Jesus' voice. Mm-hmm. And that is the moment the Holy Spirit works to give you faith and to make you a sheep. That's really what's happening in mm-hmm. baptism. You're being made into a sheep. Now, that sheep, you me, we all need to keep hearing the promise and being reminded over and over again, hear the promise, taste the promise, eat it, drink it in the Lord's Supper. Same promise, forgiven child of God forever. God does not lie. So it's not, um, it's not as if we don't have to have, have to keep hearing it, but we know we have the promise. We are Jesus' sheep. Can, and we, talk, can you, we dive a little bit into, uh, you touched on this at the beginning of the hearing and you don't choose to hear. Yeah. And, and how much of that do we have an active role um, in in doing so? Because that, that can be a, a confusing concept for somebody who's maybe never heard that hearing is involuntary. Right. Because, I mean, Adam's... And the initial thought was, well, you could just pause the podcast, yeah. right? Which I, mean, I received no response to. <laughs> that, that, but this is kind of why yeah. I'm touching on yeah, it again. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, is it not us who choose to go to church on Sunday to hear this message? Is yeah. it not me who picks the podcast episode that I'm listening to? Right. Or is it uh, is this like some sort of function of, oh, well, the people in your life told you, you yep. should listen to this podcast episode. Give it a try. Yep. And so that's all of a sudden that's out of your control or like, I mean, right. How much of this hearing is out of your control versus right. 
the Holy Spirit working. So you have a couple different things going on in your um, comment slash question, and it's good <laughs> stuff. So first of all, when it comes to um, like going to church or listening to a podcast, this podcast specifically, when you have a pretty good sense, you're going to hear Christ's forgiveness, the gospel preached in this podcast. So it's same thing in a worship service that is actually a worship service. You will hear your, your sins are named, you're a sinner, forgiven in Christ. That's a worship service. So when we run into people who say, well, I'm in control of showing up to church and I'm bleh, then we actually still will understand that the Holy Spirit is the, is the one nudging yeah. us to go to church. Yep. And God works through people to say, hey, have you heard about this podcast? Because they're saying some stuff that I have not heard before. I didn't know that's the God I have. You got to listen to this podcast. Well, God actually will will use every one of us, everyone listening to this podcast, to do things like that. All of a sudden, you find yourself saying, hey, you need to go to church or come to church with me or listen to this Scripture First podcast. Mm -hmm. There's something really cool happening there. Well, this is, this is, we are confessing now, I am confessing. This is how God works in real life through the mouths of people, like everyone listening to this podcast and all of us sitting around this table. When it comes to um, not being in control of what you hear, you were not in control of that. Mm -hmm. I slapped my hands together. You are not in control of what I'm saying or what the preacher says. So you are not in control of what you hear. You aren't. Now, sure, you can hit the pause button, but that might be actually God hardening your heart if you're hitting the pause button on, I don't want to hear anymore about I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. That can be actually God removing his hand from you, mm -hmm. leaving you to your own devices, as the Apostle Paul talks about, and hardening your heart. Well, and, and even if you pause it, you can't control what you just no, heard. you can't. You already heard which it. Which is maybe why exactly, you got so upset. Exactly. Right. You're still not in control of what you are actually hearing. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we're, I don't know if we want to dive into this right now, but it's, it's that functioning of, well, you don't exactly have free will because all of this stuff is happening to you. The words right. that are coming in. Like into your ears, whether that's this podcast, whether it's the sermon that you're going to hear on Sunday, all of that's happening to you and you arriving at church isn't necessarily by your own free will power uh, decision. It's, it's a, a string of events that God has put you in your life in that moment. Yep. And it can also be things like um, selfishness. I want people to think I'm a really good Christian, big volunteer in church. Well, this can actually be a matter of now God using your sin to save you. You got rope-a-doped into going to church. You thought it was about you and getting a benefit of people thinking whatever you want them to think about you or you feel good when you volunteer, whatever it is, whatever selfish motivation. Well, God will use that sin, that selfishness, and say, ha-ha, guess what? I forgive you. You're my sheep right here and right now. Mm -hmm. So um, that's great. In the <laughs> <laughs> You seem so enthusiastic. 
I'm sorry. Adam is bored with sheep. <laughs> sheep are boring. Adam's like, let's keep going. Well, no, I Mason, I, no, did you I get wanna... all your questions answered? Yes. I wanna you. the ne- I, I wanna go to the next two verses because these yeah. are my favorite these are some of the I think the, You're a slave for these verses. Well, these are some of my favorite verses in all yeah, of scripture. Mine too. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Mm-hmm. So Christ again kind of continues a that he has something to give that is eternal life mm-hmm. uh, be the second promise. They'll never perish. And then this third promise, no one can snatch them out of my hand. Yeah. Yeah. What Absolutely. a trifecta. Oh my, like, right. But it's not even saying I will give them eternal life. It's I give, I give them I eternal give them. life. Well, and just back up a little bit to um, the end of verse 27 there. So the sentence right before where you picked up at him, mm-hmm. I know them. Yep. I know the sheep, my sheep, that's the them. Mm-hmm. I know my sheep and they follow me. Mm-hmm. So that, and then it goes right into this, these, these huge promises. And I agree, this is one of my favorite verses as well. But when Jesus says, I know them, the Greek word there is gnosko, which is this deep experiential knowledge. This is not like, oh yeah, I know your name, like cognitive, superficial cognitive knowledge. This is, this is really deep experiential knowledge, knows those sheep, us, deeply. Now, what does he know about us, his sheep? He knows how incredibly selfish every one of us are. We're sinners, idolaters, selfish to the end. That's what he knows about his sheep. And yet he goes on to say, I give them eternal life. Jesus gives it to them, us, his sinners that he knows deeply, idolaters, because ultimately God, our God, is merciful, unfair. That's what's happening in this whole text, these 22 to 30. He knows us deeply. He knows the depth of our sin, probably even more than we Hmm. know it. And yet, I give them eternal life. They will never mm-hmm. perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just like it's so important to hammer that home. That point that the God that is responsible for the one of calling you, of making you His sheep, mm-hmm. making you in His hand that you cannot be snatched away from. Yep, He knows every single sin you've ever thought, every single sin you've ever done how wicked you are. Yep. He, he knows that intimately better than you do. Right. And he literally became that sin on the cross. And then yeah. the next very thing says, <laughs> yeah. I give them eternal life. Right. They will never perish. And by the way, this, again, I think these are instances where the Greek is really helpful because it makes that promise even more powerful so the Greek word there for perish is ap- apolumai, utter destruction, complete devastation. That's what the perish is. And then when he says, no one will snatch them out of my hand, that's harpazo, the snatch them out, which is, I mean, again, perish and snatch them out, that's fine. But the Greek word is so much deeper. So the snatch them is harpazo, seize, take away by force. So you think about the strength of that 
promise. They will never perish. They will never suffer utter destruction. No one will snatch them, seize them by force out of my hand. And this is God himself speaking, by the way, which is what we get in the very end. No one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. So this is God himself saying, oh, I know you, Mm -hmm. my sheep. Mm -hmm. I know the depth of your sin. In fact, as we just celebrated on Easter, we're still in the season of Easter here, he became that sin. He took that sin in his flesh. He knows it very deeply. And yet, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. And now here, if you're preaching it, you get to say to your congregation, you will never perish. This is Jesus' promise. You will never perish. And nothing and no one will snatch you out of the hand of Jesus Christ. God does not lie. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson for teaching us that God knows us deeply. As you heard Sarah explain, the Greek translation of I know them is deep experiential knowledge. Jesus knows our sin deeply. Does that turn his love away? No. He immediately responds with, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. What an incredible promise. If you've ever found yourself wondering about a certain term or concept we discussed on Scripture First, we have dozens and dozens of free resources on our website to help you learn about Lutheranism and the freeing gospel of Jesus Christ saving us from our sins. We have videos and study guides from everything from the distinction between the law and the gospel to the meaning of baptism to breaking down Luther's key teachings, such as the bound will and the freedom of a Christian. Go to lutherhouseofstudy.org to learn more. Luther House of Study's mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals, as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. That's S-A-R-A-H dot S-T-E-N-S-O-N at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, God knows you very deeply. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.